This is episode number 12 with James Colhoun. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? James is the filmmaker of the widely popular documentaries Food Matters and Hungry for Change and the founder of FMTV. Now, James has dedicated his life to uncovering the truth behind nutrition and our food supply. Now, what originally started as a desperate search for answers to heal his father's declining health has now transformed into one of the most powerful health and wellness hubs in the world. Food matters. James realized quickly that his father wasn't going to listen to his advice and that there had to be another way to get the message of natural health and healing to the people that needed it most, including his dad. So James, along with his beautiful wife, Laurentine, invested their entire life savings to create the internationally acclaimed and widely popular documentary, Food Matters, exposing the hard truths behind the medical and healthcare industries. They interviewed so many doctors, nutritionists, scientists, and wellness experts in the hopes to heal his father and get the message to his dad. And the footage literally changed his dad's life. After launching Food Matters in 2008, the film continues to receive an incredible response. And to this day, it's still changing so many people's lives. But James knew his work wasn't finished there. After seeing so many people struggle to lose weight through the latest fad diets or weight loss products, James and Laurentine went on to launch a second film called Hungry for Change. After that, FMTV was born, the health and wellness version of Netflix, where people can access life-saving information, including inspiring documentaries, expert interviews, recipe videos, and yoga flows on demand. It is seriously epic. Now, James and I have been very good friends for quite a few years now, and my husband and him are best mates. They have this incredible bromance going on. It's very cute. And I'm very lucky to have him as part of my soul family. And I'm so excited for you guys to soak up some of his wisdom today. He is such a beautiful man and so chock full of wisdom. So I can't wait for you guys to dive into this episode. In today's episode, we chat about how he went from captaining massive cruise liners to captaining Food Matters and FMTV how he built his loyal tribe of millions of people around the world, how to be a true leader, how he went from zero to millions of subscribers, the future of emails and deliverability, the best ways to build your list, the importance of over-delivering in everything that you do and offering free content, how to build an authentic tribe, 
the power of passion and doing what you love every single day and how you can actually skip to work. Yep, you heard me. His 10-year vision for Food Matters plus so much more. He drops so many epic nuggets of wisdom, which you will find in the show notes. All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash 12. And without further ado, let's bring on this epic human, the one and only James Colquhoun. Darling James, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Mel. I'm really excited to be chatting with you and uh, great that you're doing this podcast. Really cool. Love the show. Thanks, darling. Now, before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Great. Awesome question. I actually had, and this is good when you have a great breakfast, when you get this question, <laughs> and it's not good when you, when you get the question you've had a bad breakfast. But I'm glad you asked because today I was so holy. I, had a, um, I ha- actually had a ginger turmeric shot in a cold-pressed juicer, which is like ginger and turmeric and a little bit of green apple. Great shot. Awesome antihistamine. You know, ginger's so medicinal, so is turmeric, so that was good. Then I had a green juice on the back of that using the same the juicer obviously with cucumber i had celery lime a little bit of apple and there was some chard or something in there i forget what we call it in australia do we call it chard in australia yeah. as well mel yeah, yeah, yeah okay chard. chard yeah and then uh, i'm doing liquid only at the moment um although for val uh, for for a dinner the couple of nights ago i had something to eat uh, but i've been doing liquid for about four or five days now and um just soups juices and smoothies it's sort of a cleanse that I'll do every you know four to six months depending on how I feel and I just felt like I needed it I felt like I was eating too much and just needed to get a lot of greens a lot of good veg and uh yeah so I'm on my and then I had a a smoothie after all that which was like a an almond milk which I soaked almonds and then blended that up with some coconut oil and some um and some vanilla and then I added to it some spirulina and actually some uh, whey protein concentrate. And I don't normally have whey. I normally have a vegan protein, but I wanted it this morning. I just wanted a, you know, a heavier protein, uh, more concentrated protein. So I had that and that was delicious. And now I'm on a green smoothie, which is taking me from lunch through to the afternoon. And I don't know what dinner's going to hold for me, but it's probably a soup and I'm excited. Wow, you are very holy today. That that is <laughs> amazing. Good day to get that question. And you're an amazing cook. You've cooked me breakfast many times and I'm so grateful and yes, everything you do is just infused with so much love. So, I can't wait to have breakfast with you guys again very soon. That would be fun. That would be fun. So, you weren't always the CEO and founder of the global company Food Matters and FMTV. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how this all started. Cool. I'm probably a lot like a lot of people that are out there getting into health and wellness. And it was really quite a bit of an accident and a bit of a passion, a combination of two. Um, Laurentine and I, uh, Laurentine's my partner and co-founder of Food Matters and FMTV. And she's a, a, a beautiful and delicious angel like yourself, Mel. And um, we we had a passion for nutrition and health, but it wasn't our first, it wasn't our career at all. We were working in the shipping industry. I was driving ships, high-speed passenger ferries, container ships, tankers. And then I worked on private yachts for uh, two of the top 10 wealthiest people in the world for a while. And that was an interesting experience. It certainly taught me that money doesn't equal happiness and money doesn't equal health. And that was really profound. And it was at that time I started to sort of deep dive into nutrition from a personal interest perspective, because I was shocked 
that I went through my life and I was 20 something and I had, I thought I knew how to feed myself, but then I, I read the literature and I really had no idea how to feed myself. And my family didn't. And we grew up in this white bread, white milk, processed food culture. And we thought we were so advanced and so onto it from a nutritional perspective. And we were a long way off course. So this, this personal um, interest really sparked a, a new, um, a new era of research for me. And I hadn't really researched a lot in, in that way before as deep as I dove when I started getting into nu- the nutrition literature and, and, and paralleling this personal interest, my father was really going through a tough spot in his life. Um, he was diagnosed with, you know, severe chronic fatigue syndrome, adrenal burnout. Um, he was additionally diagnosed with depression and anxiety, uh, put on a lot of different medications. Um, he was on six at the time that we were, we were going through this parallel process of studying nutrition and him being unwell. And the doctors basically had said, look, let's try a different version of cocktails of medication and hope that, that one day we'll get the right mix. And he was overweight had to give up his business. He was a professional accountant and company auditor because he was too sick to, to be present for work. And he, he was suffering from what I now call BOMAPs, which is you know not really a medical term, but it stands for burnout middle-aged professional syndrome. And I think a lot of people are going through that. And he was one of them. And he was given a lot of drugs and he became really unwell. His hormones were out of whack. He was really sick. And he was still eating the standard Australian diet, which is very similar to the standard American diet. And yeah, we started uncovering information that could really help him, could help him get off his medication, could help him improve his diet, could help him improve his health and his energy levels. And we were shocked that he didn't know about that, that previous to us studying, we didn't know about that and that the medical profession didn't know about it. And that was a huge turning point for us to want to help him, but also try to help millions of other people that are suffering unnecessarily just through an, an, a, a glitch in the system. You know, we weren't taught this information and so therefore we're suffering because of a lack of knowledge that would have been passed down from generation to generation when food was centre in our culture, true food, real food. But now we live in such a fake food environment that we're passing down the wrong food culture to our children and, um, and to our next generation. And that was something that we wanted to stop for our own family and, um, and help, help other people with. Wow. And how old was your dad at this time? He was in his early to mid fifties when he started going through this. It was sort of a true sort of midlife crisis. And it got to the point, I mean, it was so serious, Mel. I mean, I hug my dad every time I see him now. I'm so grateful he's alive, but Back then, he had considered taking his life at one point. Mm. And this is a, a turmoil that I wouldn't want any family to ever go through. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Mm. And yet statistics show that, that as family units around the world, one of our family members, somebody we love, is suffering from some form of chronic degenerative disease, cancer, diabetes, depression, anxiety, obesity, mental illness. I mean, the statistics are there. We know this is touching every listener here has somebody within a close vicinity of their family unit that is suffering from this. And a lot of the time it's unnecessary because nutrition and natural medicine and natural approaches to to healing the body can do so much to improve that. And, you know, for us, 
that first step was really helping my dad. And then, and then from there, it just set us off on a whole mission to help really light up the world with this life-saving information. And I'm so grateful for, for all the experiences in my life and, and um, that my dad, in a three-month period, we were able to convince him of the power of nutrition. And we, yeah, we really helped him. It was just stunning. I'm so, so grateful that I was able to be that for him. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And was there a moment when you realized that you had created something that really resonated with people? And if so, what was that moment? You, you know, when, when we were trying to help my dad, we're like a lot of people that love nutrition. I'm sure you're, Mel, you're, you're a passionate advocate of eating real food. And I love how fastidious you are about making sure you have the highest quality nutrition that goes into your body. I, I really admire you for that. And I know that when you and I sit down with our family or extended family, maybe extended family that aren't really into this, it's a real challenging topic to discuss. And I found that when I've brought up you know, nutrition around a, a, a dinner table with people that are not really on that same wavelength, should we say, they get so scared that they're going to have their meat and potatoes taken away from them for, for a bit of a, for a lack of a better use of a term. And they really get defensive. It's like talking about religion or politics. And it was no different with my dad. We were trying to impress upon him the importance of diet and natural detoxification processes the body and moving away from this fake chemical processed world. And it was almost impossible to get through to him. And so we decided let's interview a lot of experts around the world and put it together in a film, um, which, which eventually became Food Matters. And I think there was a turning point in the process of creating that film where we realized we had something bigger on our hands. And I, I remember being in an editing suite um, in the middle of the night at, in Crow's Nest in Sydney with um, uh, an editor and co-producer we brought on to help with the project. His name is uh, Enzo Tedeschi. And we were sitting there and we originally had planned to produce a little bit of like an episodic series health show and uh, not really a huge big bang, just some educational series. Maybe we could, you know, tour around with it and show this in regional parts of the world and, and help people get this knowledge. But he said to us after listening to a little bit of David Wolf's interview and one of the gentlemen, Andrew Saul from the film, he said, guys, this is, a, this is breaking news. I mean, this is, this is huge. This has to be a feature-length documentary. This has, to be, this has to get out to the world. This has to do festivals. This has to be in multiple languages. And I guess maybe, you know, it was funny that I, I think we had a vision for the project, but it, it, it got expanded by the relationships and the environment we put ourselves in when we went to create it. And uh, I feel maybe a little bit humbled by saying that because I, I like to think I have a big vision, but it's great when other people challenge you. And he challenged me in that moment. And we really did um, see the film in a different light and really did think big and go, wow, actually, this is a really important message for the world. How can we, how can we get it to as many people as possible? And that was a really cool, that was a cool night. I remember coming away from the, the studio that night. And this was a number of years ago, but I remember coming away that night going, whoa, this is cool. We're going to be filmmakers, you know, because I never thought it was possible. I mean, I, I did at the time, but I thought I was, I was really faking it until we made it. But then I really thought, wow, I'm, I'm becoming a filmmaker. This is exciting, exciting news. 
One thing I love about you and Nick, which is probably why you guys are besties, is you both think so big. I'm sure you had moments of like, oh, is this going to be anything? But you both think so big and it's really beautiful and inspiring to watch. Let's talk nuts and bolts though for a second. It's always been my goal to provide my listeners with actionable strategies and not just theory. And you have obviously had to learn everything along the way, going from captaining ships on the ocean to captaining a different type of ship. What would you say the most important skill or skills as a leader that you have had to develop? Because you now have a massive team. Like how many, how many in your team? We're probably 40 to 50, close to 50 globally. So not all at HQ, but a lot around the world. And yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a significant group of people. That's for sure. Do you have any specific skills that as a leader you've had to develop? That's a, that's a great question. And I think that one of the skills that I had to develop, which I got gifted this, this knowledge from a, a large gentleman with a really husky deep American accent called Tony Robbins. And uh, <laughs> he really inspired in me something when I was quite young, which was this idea of, 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 of constant and never-ending improvement and, and always being a student. And I think that's just stuck with me. And it's been such a critical element to, to the success of the Food Matters vision and to the, the community and to the, and to the reach that we now have. And if anything, you know, the first, the, and, and it actually came up in an interview I did with um, a gentleman, he's a tennis player, Novak Djokovic, and we've since become friends. And he's really tuned into his diet. And I interviewed him in Spain uh, last year for a new film project I'm working on. And he said something in the interview, and I, I really loved it. He said, the most important work you can do is to work on yourself. And I just love that so much. And it really resonated with me. And I think that that's been a real, a, a big motto for me is that any element that you're going into in your life, it's about how do I, how do I educate myself more about it? How do I become schooled in this new knowledge? So at the start, it was very much about filmmaking and telling a story, like understanding Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. How are we going to tell an emotive story to really hook people into this message? And then it quickly transitioned, taking that cap off and putting the next one on was, how do we study getting a message to a large group of people in the most efficient and effective way? And that was through the power of the internet and using that medium to go directly to people who need this message most. So we went to every internet marketing seminar you can imagine, and you've got all the dodgy guys and you've got the great guys and you've got the interesting people and you read and you really understand it. And then from there, you start to look at, okay, well, now we've created this vision and we're starting to reach people. Then you need to study, you know, culture and tribes and how we connect together as a group of people to bring a mission to the world. And that's been a huge challenge. I mean, going from three people to 45, 40 to 50 people, has, it's a totally different environment now as, as a group. So how do we collaborate? And that got me studying tribal groups and Paleolithic and Neolithic tribes and how what were the size of groups they used to connect in and how do people work best in a team environment? How do you build that culture? And so at every step of the way, life really offers you an amazing opportunity to learn. And I think that, that the most successful entrepreneurs and visionaries in this world are deeply committed at self-growth and, 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 and personal development. And they never, ever, ever think that they're an island. 
I think this is a huge thing. It's so easy for an entrepreneur to think they're so great and so amazing and that everyone else is dumb and that I'm the best in the world and I've got the best idea. That is a huge trap to fall into. Not only is that a spiritual trap of being addicted to your own ego, but it's also a trap of not listening to other people and not attracting a really great um, group of advisors and mentors around you. And that's been a huge element to to the success of Food Matters as well as for me to be able to be a very confident visionary and to have a very clear vision for what I want for a film or for a TV channel or for a message to get to the world, but then at the same time to have great people in my court that I can seek advice on and not be scared to to put up my hand and ask questions or or have a challenge in the company and then go order 10 books online, read them back to back in a couple of weeks and go, okay, we've got a solution, let's do it. And I think that 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 is something that has connected me so deeply with Nick as well, is that he embodies that same philosophy of, of growth and, and, and this constant and never-ending improvement, can I, this idea of always using your environment and the world as an opportunity to, to grow. And, and that is the nature of humanity. The nature of humanity is growth. The nature of nature is growth. The nature of animals is growth. Everything is growth-oriented. And when you tap into that and you realize that, that it provides an awesome opportunity for you to develop your capability to serve others and serve yourself and your family, then, then you get addicted to this idea of, 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 um, of, of self-health, self-help, and self-education. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful spiral. What's that saying? If you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you rot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, it's so true. And you uh, you really do embody the traits of an amazing leader. You are so hungry for knowledge and wanting to grow and better yourself. And again, I think that's why you are such good friends with my husband, because you both are so similar in that sense. <laughs> but once upon a time, just like all of us, you had zero subscribers and zero followers. What was the first thing that you did that really made a difference in building your tribe. You know those moments where you think, "Whoa, that was pretty awesome." Like was there one or two things that you first did that really made a dent? That's a, that's a good question and it it is it can be hard when you're starting out. Even when we start a new brand or a new side project, I mean it's easier now because we can leverage our community to say, "Hey, check this out." Um, but at the very start, it can be a little bit, you know, frustrating because, you know, you're starting and it's like, well, hang on, we've got like two likes, five likes or five followers. And I think the first thing to focus on, and I'm so, so grateful I learned this early on, was that always ask yourself the question before you start anything, ask the question, how can I add more value to another person's life than anybody else is doing? And that really sets your intention right. If you're going to market with, an, with, 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 with a product or an idea or a tribe or a following or even your own um, sort of quote-unquote guru-based business, if you're not coming from the right intention of wanting to serve and help elevate consciousness, health, well-being, and the overall betterment of humanity, then you have to really question why you're doing it. And if you're going into it for personal reasons, like I want to have financial freedom or I want to have this, I want to have that, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying they should be tertiary reasons, Nowhere, not near the top. They should be the byproduct of serving people en masse. 
And so I think intention is the most critical thing to start with because it affects everything. If your intention is off, it's going to affect the subjects of the emails you're going to write. It's going to affect the copy you put on your page. It's going to affect the product that you developed. It's going to, it's going to infiltrate everything because thought creates energy. We understand this now as, as quantum physics has, has caught up to the sort of mystic, you know, mysticism of, of the ages. Now we know that thoughts create your body. You know, Bruce Lipton tells us this with biology of belief. We know that thoughts create things. And so that if you have a, a, an idea for a business, that's a thought. And so if you mull on that and meditate on it and really, really become so committed to that thought, you're going to manifest a business. You're going to manifest a mission, a purpose, a business, a, an idea, a movement. But if that thought is somewhat inseminated with doubt or fear or lack or personal gain over others, or it's got your limiting beliefs that you've been conditioned from third trimester to six years of age in there, it needs to be cleaned out. You have to first focus on being as clear and on point and on purpose and on mission as possible. And, and ideally having that align with the universal principles of the world, which is growth and contribution. How can, I, how can we help community grow, help people grow and become better versions of themselves? and help contribute to them so they can contribute to others. So the first step, which was something we worked on at such great lengths with anything we've started, is getting that intention right, writing it down, verbalizing it, communicating it, creating we believe statements, mission statements, communicating that to stakeholders, team, people you're employing. Every, every interview I do first starts with like 30 minutes of what we believe and how important this mission is and why we're all here to be doing it. And, that's, and I have a belief talk with team on a continual basis. It's the cornerstone of everything. So to me, first point was that. That was so important for us. The second point I would have to say would be really looking at strategy. And I think strategy is a long way second because if you don't get that first point right, nothing matters. So strategy is the next point. And there are so many amazing strategies available to help get a message to more people now. and. It's a matter of finding them and finding who's effective in your space and seeing what they do. Modeling. I think modeling is such a great concept. I mean, we did a lot of modeling at the start. Who was successful just before Food Matters came out? The Secret. Remember, it took the globe by storm. It was an online release. It was streaming and digital download. And so first thing we did was we were in touch with the technology providers that did that. I I, I believe that technology is long and gone now, but it didn't matter to us. It was like, the company and we said okay so what do they do how do they do it how are they streaming online what was the technology they used how do they do it and then we started to look at that at other other missions and movements that had been successful at that time i mean this was in 2007 2008 we launched in 2008 when this happened and and modeling is so important so whatever industry you're in follow what they're doing and see what they're doing and see who they taught, who they learned from, who was their mentor and who taught them these strategies and really, really go deep on that strategy, but don't get caught up in strategy. What matters most over strategy is taking massive action. (laughs) You know, this, this idea of being able to go, okay, I've got the strategy, I've got this, but don't over strategize, don't over plan, make sure that you are always taking action and making educational mistakes, things that aren't quite perfect that are going to teach you a lesson along the way. So there are two things that I, I would apply to something I'm starting today, just as I did apply to something I started you know, 10 years ago now. And that's um, they're the cornerstone, I think, of, of getting a movement happening.
Well, it's making, you know, such a big impact in so many people's lives and you can really feel how heart-centered and intentional you guys are with everything you put out. Like, you know, I know you've got this seven-day Food Matters cleanse coming up and, and just everything that you guys put out into the world, you can really feel how much love and care has gone into it. So I just, you know, that's a little bit of feedback from me to you. So you can feel it. Thanks, Mel. So have you been flat out at this for years or have you taken time out or how important do you think consistency is in building a loyal tribe? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that consistency is really important. I think that one of the things that business teaches you is that SHIT is going to go wrong all the time. <laughs> and I think that that's true in life. I mean, that I, I, the more I go through business and the more I go through life, the more I draw on the, the spiritual teachers and guidance from people that have been through this life maybe multiple times before, maybe this is their life. But I think that, that in life we're going to constantly be challenged. And I think to go into a business and think that, wow, I'm going to have more time on my hands, I'm going to have less stress, I'm going to be able to just do the things I want and I'm going to be that person that I see in the ads online where they're sitting on the beach with a laptop and or these perfect people on Instagram that have the most amazing lives. And I think that you've got to be careful to separate that vision from reality. And I don't want to take that vision out of your mind because girl, boyfriend, whoever's listening, go for it, you know, like have that vision. But acknowledge that life has a unique ability to, to challenge you and help, help you grow. And, and business is no different. I and mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you're really signing up for massive growth. It's like you're signing up to learn hard and it's awesome. And you have to love it. You have to love, you know, I interviewed Brendan Burchard recently. He's this high performance guy from the States. If you don't know him, he's like, he's got a lot of energy, this guy. Anyway, he teaches a lot of Navy SEALs and they've got this saying called embrace the suck. And I love it because I love when something really hardcore is going down, you know, and it's just that part of you that just wells up and says, yes, bring it on. This is life. This is the grit. This is the stuff. And you got to come in and you got to bring it, you know, and I think that that says a lot about how I choose to approach my life. I choose to approach my life as a get to, not a have to. And I think that completely flips your whole approach to how you, how you see everything. And that just goes to show, I mean, the whole of your world is in your mind. Everything that you see and that you create and that you, that you experience is a, is a result of your perceptions and your thoughts and your values and beliefs that you hold. And I think that having a, having a powerful set of belief systems and also being able to approach life and approach business with energy and passion and vigor and a smile on your face and uh, you know, especially when you're challenged. I think that is a skill that I'm really trying to learn and master. And I think that we're all, we all get challenged to learn different things in our lives. I believe each of our souls have a purpose in this life, in this earth suit, as we come down here to learn. And I think one of mine is how can I approach life with excitement and love and passion and enthusiasm and a smile on my face and a good posture and be able to come in to the office when it's hard and give everyone a hug and a kiss and come in when it's great and give everyone a hug and a kiss. By the way, I hug and kiss everybody in the office every morning. It's just a ritual I do. And um, to me, I think that's, that's 
really, really what it's about. I think it's about bringing energy, bringing passion and having a big vision and just sticking to it. And, and I think consistency does play a big part. I think that, you know, a lot of businesses fail. You know, you hear the statistics, you know, 90% of businesses fail within 12 to 14 months or 24 months. I think maybe people just lost, lost passion. They lost the vigor or they had a few setbacks and like, that's it, I give up. I'm going to go back to doing whatever I do. I would say if the setback is real and you're not meant to be in that industry, look, that's another thing. And I don't know how you determine that. Maybe you meditate on it and ask the universe for a sign. But if there's something that you absolutely are here to do and it's a good strategy, you've got good advisors, you, you go for it. You know, you stick with it and you see it out. And um, there's a lot to be said for having that, that determinism. And I'm not saying that I have it, but I just say there's a lot to be said for it. And I look at some of the most successful people in the world that have brought great things to humanity and they have it in spades and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in training camp. I'm learning to get better at that, Mel. So hopefully this calls inspired me to stay on the path. Yeah. That's something that I'm really working on within myself is as well is to bring a smile to those challenging times. You know, it's to show up every day and just pour your heart and soul into everything. And, you know, yes, when it's great, it's it's great, but also keep showing up. So that's something that I'm, you know, working on as well. So thank you for re-inspiring me to check in with that. Mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a email question with um, email deliverability getting harder and harder these days. How important do you has email been to your business, and do you think emails are dead, or are they still the cornerstone of online businesses? Oh, that's an awesome question. Well, wow. I'm I'm actually quite deep in that at the moment, um, and it's always an evolution for 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 an online group. How do you most effectively communicate and reach your community and tribe? And the pressures upon reaching people are are ever present. I mean. I think it was more effective for us to get, it was as effective for us to get traffic from Facebook when we had a million followers. And now one of our brand, the Food Matters brand has two and a half million followers and it's a similar amount of uh, traffic. I think that it just goes to show that, that you know, the pressures that, that, are, that are there in the email world and the social media world in order to be able to reach people and even in the SEO world for that matter, are constantly changing. I mean, these are algorithms that are designed and as more people come to these platforms and systems and as there's more noise in the marketplace and as the barriers to entry to bring businesses to the world drop, it's becoming increasingly difficult to reach people. And I still, personally, on that question, email will die. I think that at some level, email is going to disappear um, or completely change. I mean, we've moved from, just like we moved from TV with interruption advertising to subscription video on demand, like Netflix or like our TV channel, FMTV plug. Sorry, Mel. Um, (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) um, You know, we've seen the landscape of television change. Why? Because the mass consciousness that people said, we don't like being interrupted with ads about drug commercials. I'm speaking for America. Luckily, we don't have them here. I don't want to be interrupted with commercials. I want to watch what I want, when I want, without interruptions, and I'm happy to pay a little bit for it. Wow, the world votes. Amazing. So an industry dies, an industry is born. I look at the way we get information now, and I look at a a feed-type environment, so a Facebook feed, an Instagram feed. These are amazing new ideas that are relatively new, and we, we see information come to us in a feed, and if it's gone, it's gone. We don't see it again. 
And I sort of, maybe that I'm just making an excuse for not answering all my emails, but I see my email inbox as a feed now. I see it as a feed. I used to see it as a, I have to clear everything out. And, and there's a lot of people, even in our company, that run like a zero inbox policy. But I see email moving more towards a feed environment. And, and it'll evolve a lot over the next three to five or 10 years as, as communication changes. We, we change the way we, we, we interact with people. Now, on the question of deliverability, um, always going to be precious on that. I mean, we saw Gmail introduce the promotions tab and then you've got new filters getting into inboxes. I think you just have to improve your sophistication. You have to look at what system are you using? Are you on dedicated IPs? How did you warm up that IP? How are you tagging your list? How are you being most relevant to people? Because engagement in any platform is going to improve your ability to reach them. So we're always looking at now is how are we sending the most relevant content to people? which means we have to ask them more questions about what are they most interested in so we can reach them and so they can engage with us. And if they're engaging with us, we're able to then more effectively reach them. And there is a gentleman in the States, he spoke at a conference I was at, and I think it's, he wrote a book called Ask. We can pop it in the show notes. That's cool. I've got, I've got a copy of the book, haven't got to it yet. I'm reading a, a, a mammoth treatise at the moment called Sapiens, which I'm loving and finally gotten around to. Oh my goodness. Um, But in Ask, he's really, it's a really great philosophy where it's like when people come to you, ask them what they're interested in. What are their pain points? What do they want to help? What do they want help with? And I think we haven't done a great job of that, to be honest. I mean, we've, we've helped identify certain people interested in certain things, but we haven't really specifically asked them a lot about what they want to know more about. We do it in surveys, we do it in this, but integrating that more into your email system and then only sending those people the content that they're most interested in is really going to be the future of deliverability because the more relevant you are, the more focused you are, the better deliverability you're going to have. And it's going to be less about size and more about the from name, the subject, the relevancy and improving their engagement on your list. And I think email still has a fair way to go. I think it'll still be a big part of our business for a few years to come. Uh, But it's going to change. Of course, everything's going to be changed and there'll be a new system out there and we'll adapt and we'll get on it. It's going to be fun. So hope that helps. Join the ride, hey? (laughs) So from your experience, what are three of the best ways that you have built your email newsletter list? Great. Okay, awesome. First way. Definitely online events. I think people love something point in time. Uh, They love coming together around something. Uh, And for us, we do a lot of film-related content and film-related events. You've got your seven-day Food Matters cleanse. Is that what Mm. you mean as well? So that's a seven-day cleanse we've got coming up. So that's going to be a start start together, finish together um, on on FMTV. So we just finished a 21-day program at the start of this year. But those guided programs were on the back of an online event. So we always, I, I love online events because you're able to provide free content to people at a specific period of time and say, hey, we're having a movie screening with an interview with this guy and then another movie and an interview, another movie interview, all free, come and get it. We love you. Just sign up and you can go for it. And then during that event, there'll be generally an offer uh, to join FMTV or one of the products or services that we have. And it's not really a hard sell. It's like, hey, it's there. Do you want it? Because you've given them so much value. A lot of people take it and some people don't. It's like, no problems. Lots of love. Those that do, we then take them on on the journeys. But I think online events are such a, a powerful way in order to be able to, to build, uh, build a list fast and build a tribe or a following. I shouldn't say list. I, I think language is so important. Don't use words like, 
e-blast, tripwire, or things like that. Don't, don't use language like that around your beautiful people that come and join you. So a, a community, family, tribe, you know, list is probably okay, you know, but I'm just, just cautious when people use bad language around things like that. So I'd say online events has been a, a huge thing for, for us in particular. Um, some things come and go. Uh, I think there's things like summits that are probably getting a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, there's a summit for everything now. There's, you know, there's a summit for got too much hair on my back. <laughs> there's a summit for I've got a long left toenail. You know, there's a summit for everything. And I, we, we did a few summits last year. That was so much fun. They were great. They were successful. But I think I'm trying to move away from that because I think that's going to come to an end when, you, when everybody's doing it. And when there's one every week, it's sort of getting a bit monotonous. I'm always trying to think what's the next big event style. And I think workshops are still great. You know, webinars have still got something in them. A lot of people like webinars, especially old, older demographics. So online events would be the first one. The second one would be having some sort of fun, evergreen um, sort of gift exchange on your website. So it might be an ebook or a download. Um, you know, one of the great ways that you do, Mel, and I'm not going to hide any secrets here, but I pretty much stole it from your website a couple of years ago, <laughs> was quizzes and gamification. You know, Nick and I chat a lot about this. And, and when you can engage people in a process of like, hey, take this quick quiz and check this out or do this, it's so fun. People get some instant feedback. They get to have some information about themselves they might have not known about. Um, they get to share some, some information that's relevant to them. And that you get to 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 bring them into the community, into the family, and be able to send them some more information and help guide them on their journey through life. So I think that having an evergreen sort of opt in for a gift or some sort of gamification is really uh, really powerful as well. I don't know that I could expand upon those two. Those two are really strong. I think newsletter, yeah, newsletter opt in, free gift. That's, that's pretty cool. They're great. They're my yeah, main they're ones. great. And one thing I've noticed over the years since we've been friends and just watching Food Matters grow is you guys always over deliver and you offer massive value. Talk about massive action. You guys offer massive value. And often, like you said, you do it for free. You know, right Mm -hmm. now you guys are about to do this seven day Food Matters cleanse. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how you engage your tribe to take part in that sort of event? I believe, you know, I don't want to sound like a Martin Luther King speech here, but but I, I believe that that film is so transformative. It's such a powerful medium. Like a great documentary film has the power to completely like open your head and expand your mind and go, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I think we've all had that experience. We might have seen, you know, The Secret or a food documentary or this and that, and it's completely changed our lives because it happens in so many ways. You have this multimedia happening on your TV screen. And the sad thing is, is that we've been led to believe everything that comes out of a TV. I mean, when did this happen? It was like this revolution of television in the 50s. And now we've wheeled this Trojan horse into our living room that's that's unloading all these fear and lack-based messaging into our minds through mainstream television and, and death, pain, fire, destruction from the news that it's been, it's, it's, it's quite a negative piece of equipment, to be honest. However, it's a very powerful piece of equipment because it has the, the capability to condition our mind because we believe in it so strongly. And even if you sit there and say, well, yeah, I don't really believe and I just watch what's on there and blah, blah, no, it's getting in there at some level. Mm, it's sinking into your subconscious mind. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So 
And I see documentaries and empowering documentaries as such a powerful way to to, to flick the switch on that, so to speak, and, and to change the channel and tune into something that's empowering and that's going to help you help you either develop a better self-care ritual or have more love for yourself or understand the power of your emotions or how to eat better or all these sorts of things. It's, it's so incredible. So my real undercover mission on the, in this world is to give people more access to this type of content. And, and, and that's why I, I love, and I'm such a huge proponent of running free events because I can help a lot of people access it for free that may have not normally paid for it or actually may have not normally been interested in it because there might've been a price point barrier. So if I can do that and get them to engage in this content for free and have them have a transform, transformative experience, even without paying a cent, I'm winning, they're winning. And I have this idea in business or in life or in being a human in, in trying to create winathons. I, I love this idea of a winathon. Like if everybody's winning, like the, the plants, the animals, the environment, people's health, everything, then you created this winathon. And I think that if someone comes to an event, they have a great experience, they watch some great content and they leave without paying, they've had a great event and I'm really happy for that. And if they become a subscriber of FMTV or, or do something else, then I'm happy for that too. And I think that that is a huge focus for me. And, and I think that that, that that form of media is, is so transformative. I love that idea of a winathon. It's such a good term. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> One thing I've noticed about you, which is, again, why you are besties with Nick, is the speed at which you both implement things. You know, many years ago, we were in your lounge room talking about the idea of FMTV over dinner. And the next thing, it's like up and running. And I know it's not exactly like that. And you and Nick are both serial implementers. What is your secret and how can we all become serial implementers if we're not? Uh, that's, that's, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you, Mel. And I, I love Nick for that too. We are indeed. Um, we must be brothers from another mother or from, a, from another lifetime, who knows. But I had a meeting before this uh, new project I'm setting up um, and I had a dream about a, a domain name that I should acquire for the uh, for for the project, and I hadn't acquired it yet. And I was in this meeting with a lady that I've hired to head it up, and she had a couple of team there. And I'm like, oh, I had an idea about this domain, and she's like, oh, what is it? Write it down. I'm like, no, that's it. Where's my laptop? Get it out. And we just and I, I love action meetings. If there's a meeting and we can bring a laptop in and do it straight away, that's my sort of meeting. And I think that I don't know. I have this completely unrealistic expectation about deliverability of, of a project. And I love it. I'm attached to that unrealistic expectation because you'll be amazed at what you can get done and what you can deliver when you think the impossible is possible. And I, I like you said, when we thought about FMTV, we were starting essentially a Netflix. We were going to start a subscription channel and have documentary filmmakers from all around the world and distributors we would sign content and deliver it via technology and, and have apps and be available in different marketplaces and different languages and help get this message to more people, which was the primary question and mission of the whole, whole, whole group and the whole movement. And when, when, when we did it, we just like, okay, let's do it. We decided to do it and we started building the site and we started signing some contracts and just, I guess you just make it up as you go. And I think, that, that someone who did that really well was Richard Branson as well. He's like, I'm going to start an airline. 
like I think that's crazy. I don't want to start an airline, but he he was like, "That's I'm going to start an airline. Start an airline." What did he do? Went down and said, "How do I get a plane?" You know what I mean? That's all he did. How do I fill it up mm. with people? How do mm. I get to America? And he did it, and it was like. I I'm, I love that. I love those sort of people and those sort of personalities, and I really try to embody it. And you're going to make mistakes, and things might not be perfect, and are going to go wrong. But you're going to keep evolving. And I'm I'm so happy I did take that massive action to start FMTV because we've got a you know a bit of breaking news. We're going to, we've signed a contract with Amazon, and FMTV is going to be a one click add on for all Amazon Prime members globally. You know, this is oh my god, that's amazing. I know it's like it's unbelievable. If I hadn't taken that action and done that, this wouldn't wouldn't be a reality. And we're on you know Apple TV and all iOS apps and on Roku, and it's it's dizzying. And now we had a real struggle at the start with distributors signing content to us. And I had some relationships with distributors because of being in the film industry. They're like, "Who are you? How big's your channel? How long you been going?" Uh, My name's James. I'm from Food Matters. There's no channel yet. Uh, we haven't been going yet, and we want to sign a couple of your films. And they're like, you're crazy, no. Um, now now um, they're coming to us with their catalogs of films and saying, are oh, you going to be at Toronto Film Festival? Or here, we want you to sign this film, this film. It's just the tides have turned completely, and we've paid out millions of dollars of royalties to, to filmmakers all around the world. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fun. I, I love it. I love taking massive action. And and Laurentine, can I add too? She she has even more unrealistic expectations about deliverability than I do. So I think she pushes me a lot too. So let's not forget her. Yes, of course, of course. So Food Matters was born out of this passion to help your dad, which is one of the reasons why it's so successful because it started with that seed of passion. How important do you think it is to do something that you're passionate about? this is the most important thing in life. If, if you don't love what you're doing, don't do it. Um, you know, sometimes things that you love might challenge you. That's okay. A challenge is something temporary. I think having a passion for something is the most important thing that you can, you can, you can do. If you're not passionate about the idea or the thing that you're doing, or if you can't see yourself doing that for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and not really thinking about it, then you shouldn't be doing it. I, I, I love Warren Buffett too. I mean, he is, you know, he's a very wealthy guy and I'm not really into the whole wealth accumulation thing and I'm not really into Coca-Cola, one of the companies that he's a shareholder in. But I love that he skips to work because he loves what he does. And he's so successful because That's he's really so... really cute. <laughs> I know. He does skip to work. He's so successful at what he does, I believe, because he is so passionate about what he does. You find if you're passionate about something so deeply, you have to follow your passion. And sometimes your passion might not make you that much money. And that's okay. That might be your dharma. That might be your purpose. You might not need to be the next billion-dollar entrepreneur. But one thing you find, well, that I found is the more successful I've come, become the less attached to the worldly things that I've become. You know, I, I really find myself following the passion, following the service, following the growth, following the contribution. And the more that I do that, the more I feel, I feel lit up and I can, I can skip to work. I love that. Warren Buffett, he's so cool. He skips to work now. I think he's in his 80s, maybe even 90s. He skips to work. He still drives an old car and like, he's just a cool guy. I think we should be more like him. And if you're in something that you really hate right now, make a plan. Read some, read some books. Don't just read some books. Read 30 books. Read 50 books. 
master a new skill, develop a new passion, create a vision board, become fastidious in absolutely obsessing about what it is that you love doing. You know, I love Nick because he's gone and followed his passion of music and it's so beautiful and he's just doing it because he freaking loves it and he's going to make a massive impact and he loves it because he does it. He's not doing it because of of some other external force. He's doing it because he loves it. And I think that having a passion and following your passion is is so important. Couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. And you kind of skip to work. Well, you ride your bike, but maybe we could get you like a little bell and you can ding the bell the whole True. way there. It could be a little bit care for me, like riding my Eurobike, dinging my bell <laughs> down the road to beach, to, to the work, to work. We could get little pom-poms on the end and True. you could just like True. cruise on down. That'd be good. <laughs> I could put that, you know how you put the, the peg on your spokes and there's like a little bit of cardboard and it makes like the motorbike noise. Maybe yes. that's cool. That's more masculine. Let's do that. <laughs> yes, totally. Okay, done. So 10 years from now, where is Food Matters and where are you personally? I think 10 years from now, Food Matters is going to be a household name. Um, I think people will be using uh, Food Matters technology or products in some some form or shape uh, on mass and in, in reaching a lot of people. I think that the the reason why I'm so adamant and I'm so I believe in that so greatly is because we've never faced the challenges we're facing today as a as a human populace when it comes to to health. I mean, we've never seen the rates of cancer and heart disease and diabetes and mental illness and our governments and our healthcare system is going to go broke trying to solve that problem. We know that already. The statistics are out, the data is out there. So it's going to come back to people that have hit a pain point or that are proactively trying to improve their health so that they can live a healthy, happy, and abundant life. Coming to groups and organizations like yourself, like some of the people you've uh, interviewed, like some of the gurus out there, some of the brands out there that are truly authentic brands that are trying to help people improve their quality of life so that they can make a better impact in their own little tribal community or in their family. And I see Food Matters continuing to grow in that fashion. Um, there's new products and ideas and films that we have that we want to create to help, um, help that along the way. There's new side projects and, and other things that I want to get involved with as well. And I see myself being involved. I do see myself moving continually more and more out of the day-to-day of the business. Um, I love being in the business, no doubt about it, but I think there's, there's capacity issues at every level of growth of an organization. And there's a fun term that a friend of mine uses. I think it was him, maybe it was someone else. It doesn't matter if this story, but in, in the States. And I think he's raised for a company that he started a few hundred million dollars. I think he's raised over 250 or 350 million so far. I mean, it's a pretty significant amount of money. And he calls himself the C the CIO or CVO, Chief Inspirational Officer or Chief Visionary Officer. And I see, I see myself moving more into that role, um, and and focusing more on the vision and 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 helping provide you know strategy and ideas to help um, help this reach more people. And I do see myself uh, at some point. I think we all grow a little bit older and 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 have different focuses on our life. I've got a three year old boy. Um, I see our family growing in number over the next few years. And I see that becoming a big passion of mine, um, along with with the mission at Food Matters. So 
um, you know, educating my children to be the future leaders of this world. That sounds really narcissistic, doesn't it? Oh my God. Sorry to anybody if I've said anything that makes me sound narcissistic. Honestly, I'm not. I love, I love everybody out there and I'm really focused a lot on not sounding like that. But I think we have to think about how do we create the future leaders of this world? We're facing challenges we've never faced before. And we need to have little, little, little critters out there, these little humans that are going to become the next generation. We need to help them be the problem solvers for us. Because when we get old, the world's going to be faced with a whole new set of challenges and we need people that are going to solve those problems. And we've got great leaders now that are emerging and we're seeing a new trend in consciousness and in, 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 in technological advancement that's helping push humanity forward. Sure, there's some things that are a bit dangerous, especially in the food landscape. Um, but I really think that maybe I'll be focusing a little bit more on educating my children, maybe maybe going back to sailing a little bit more. I used to spend a lot of time on the ocean. Maybe I'll do a bit of sailing, sail around the world maybe. I have a passion for sailing and surfing and you know, uh, free diving and, and swimming in the ocean. And, and I'd love to do that with my boy or my kids and my wife. And so, yeah, maybe a bit more of that. <laughs> maybe can Nick and I come too? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Of course. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that sounds really great, darling. And I've got a couple of rapid fire questions now. Cool. What is one thing that you're currently working on within yourself or something that you're wanting to improve within yourself? You mentioned wanting to bring a smile to the shit beforehand, mm. but is there anything else that, you know, is really prevalent for you right now that you're working on or you would like to improve? Great. Yeah. Rapid fire, two things, becoming fearless about everything. So tough, so hard. I think that's my actual purpose um, coming to this world. I, I don't know why I think that, but I think becoming fearless, um, not fearing death, not fearing change, not fearing anything. That's a huge liberation. I'm working hard on that one. The other thing is resilience. I think developing resilience, because as you go through life, like I've said earlier, things are going to challenge you more and more, um, or they might challenge you less. I don't know. That's a, that's a limiting belief too, maybe that the challenges become greater, but I think developing resilience. And I like to think about, um, if I think I'm stressed out or got a busy day, I just quickly instantly think about Barack Obama. What would his day be like? I'm like, well, I've got it easy. So I think perspective, resilience, and fearlessness. Nice. Okay. Let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, besides Food Matters cookbooks. Um, what book would you choose? Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Mm, amazing. Such an epic book. I'll put that in the show notes so people can find it. Okay. Let's talk about how your day looks. I am obsessed with studying and hearing people that I admire and love their morning routine or how they prime themselves for the day. Like I'm fascinated by it. So how do you prime yourself for the day? Okay. I, um, I generally wake up and I break the golden rule and look at my phone and I only do that to check the surf cam. Um, I'm a, I'm a really keen surfer and I love being in the ocean. So if the surf's good, I want to know and I want to get there as quickly as possible. Sorry about breaking that rule guys. Um, I don't <laughs> check email and I don't check social media, just the surf cam. After that, if the surf is no good, uh, if the surf's good, I go surfing. If the surf's no good, I get up out of my bed and I try to do some form of breath work or movement or meditation. So a couple of days ago, I just did a meditation because I had something that I was mulling over and that was uh, 
causing me to 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 challenge my um, resilience. So I said, universe, give me a sign. And later that afternoon, I got a sign. So it was great. So I did a meditation. So I'll do a meditation. Sometimes I'll do yoga or sometimes I'll do, I've been doing a lot of stretchy band workouts lately. Um, you put a band on a door and you do like ch- chest presses and flies, but I only really work out for like 10 minutes. I absolutely find working out freaking boring and I don't do it for very long. I'm not a hardcore exerciser. Then after that, I drink a lot of water and hydration, generally either before or after that, green drink, water, lemon juice in water, sometimes a bit of apple cider vinegar. Try not to damage your enamel too much on your teeth. After that, I'll try to get wet at some point. Even if it's winter, I get wet. If it's summer, I get wet. Uh, I've got a pool, thankfully, so I'll get in the pool either by myself or with my boys from a few laps. Or I go, or I'll ride my bike to the beach and go for a swim in the ocean just quickly and come back. Water has this amazing ability to just wash me clear and clear my thoughts and get me into my body and out of my head. And I love being in the water. Then I'll have it. And sometimes I'll do breath work if I don't do, I've got me, you got me struggling with the rapid fire on this one. I want to try and get it out. <laughs> sometimes I do breath work if I don't do the meditation or if I don't do the exercise. Then my sort of three turn twos or the surfing, and then I'll get into a shower. I have a warm shower, then I flick it to cold for the last sort of minute or two, um, courtesy of Wim Hof, loving him. He's going to be in our new film. It's a massive, massive, massive breakthrough and turn. This is going to change the whole health industry. And then after that, I'll have breakfast, and my breakfast is varied massively. I'm not a creature of habit. Sometimes I'll have, like I had this morning, I had the ginger turmeric shot of green juice and a smoothie. Sometimes I'll have eggs on gluten-free toast sometimes. I never have porridge or anything. I just don't like oats or grains. They just don't make me feel good. Laurentine does. Don't hold that against her. She's amazing. She thrives on it. It just depends on how you feel. I don't do good on that. I might have eggs. I, I'm, I'm not a vegan, so sometimes I'll have some really good free-range bacon or something, um, have some spinach or some sauerkraut. I really mix it up a lot for breakfast. That's sort of my morning routine. And then I'll go to work, or if I'm having the day off, I won't go to work. Mm, that sounds good. And I, I love that Wim Hof is in the next movie. Nick is going to be super excited. <laughs> and I'm like you, I love, you know, diving in the ocean. Um, I call it an aura dip or an aura cleanse. And the, the ocean just, it literally cleanses your aura. Like it's so good. There's something so healing about it. And mm. I live on the beach like you. And mm. uh, every morning we're like, let's go for our aura dip or aura cleanse. And we just love it. It's so good. So thank you for sharing that. What are three things that you are most recently grateful for in your life? Perspective. Definitely perspective. That We are not the 1%. We are the half percent. We are, you know, get perspective. Perspective is so huge on your life. If you think you've got problems, you don't have problems. Get perspective. You think you've got an issue with your shoes that you just bought, there's a kid with one leg somewhere. Get perspective on your life. Travel to a country that gives you perspective. That's huge for me. Um, what else am I most grateful for? My boy, Hugo. Oh, my goodness. I'm just so hopelessly in love with this kid, and I just love him so much, and it just reminds me of the innocence of humanity, and it helps me tap into that. What else am I grateful for? Laurentine, of course. So grateful for Laurentine. I think it's, so it's family and, 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 um, family and perspective. Mm, beautiful. Okay, so in your opinion, what is one of the most important things that you can do for your health that people could do today, right now? What's what's one of the most important things? Drink more water. Super easy. Drink more water. We don't drink enough water. Uh, filtered water, spring water, not dirty water. Um, you can 
structured a little bit with some things if you want. A uh, bit of citrus, fresh mint leaves, cucumber, spirulina, algaes, chlorella, whatever. Um, drink more water. It helps you clear out, helps you eliminate toxins from your bowel. Awesome. What is one of the most important things that you can do for your wealth? Spend less than you earn. Mm. Good one. So simple, huh? So simple. Oh my God. So simple. And finally, what is one of the most important things that you can do for love? Transitioning. And what I mean by that is if you're at work or if you do something and then you have to go be with your significant other or your lover, transition. Don't don't take shit home with you when you walk through that front door embrace love be love be present when you're with your family be with your family don't be distracted by those micro shit coming out of your phone that's going buzz buzz, this that blah disconnect from the micro disruptions in your life and be present with your lover that is the most important thing you can do and actually if there's only one thing you could do on this planet if you could take everything away it's to be present with your lover that's Mm. it that's the only thing that, that should matter so don't forget that Yeah, so important, especially with the amount of distractions and things that are we're bombarded with these days. It's Mm. you know more and more it can feel sometimes quite challenging. But you know, just coming back to that presence with our love is the most important thing. Yeah, it it, it is. No, you're welcome. Can I have one thing? I love Laurentine for this because she's so good at it. Her phone never comes off silent mode ever. So and she lost the same. Mine is (laughs) the same. Ever. Unless I'm unless I'm like expecting an urgent call, uh, you know, with you know my nonna was recently in hospital, like and let, but my phone is yeah. always on silent. My friends know never to call me because I won't answer. <laughs> I know, I can't get in touch with her. She came into the office the other day. I'm like, oh, I tried to text you because we're doing a big recipe shoot. Did you bring in the calendar? I didn't get your text. I don't know where my phone is. She just leaves it for a couple of days. Woke up this morning, didn't have a phone. I had to go find it somewhere for her. That I love is, that about her. I it's, love it's that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And we have Slack now at the office and it's just going crazy. You know, Slack channels here and there. It's got us off email. Fantastic. Laurentine's like, I'm never going on Slack ever in my entire life. And it's just like, I sort of love that deterministic, not being disrupted. I'm focusing on what I'm passionate about. And, you know, it's, that's her gift and uh, she's, um, she's great at it. So that's, that's why I love her and that's why she's a great lover. She is amazing. And that does explain why sometimes she takes seven days to write back to my text messages. <laughs> yeah, embrace it. Embrace it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't take it personally. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, she's probably lost her phone. I mean, you know, when we're over at your house, she's like, where's my phone? It's like hidden down the couch. Hugo's like, here it is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, we love that about her so much. She is such a beautiful person and and it really does allow her to be fully present mm. with you and Hugo and when we're there, you know, she's she really does embrace that. So I love that oh. about her. I just want to, before we wrap up, acknowledge you and say thank you and how grateful I am for you coming on the show today and just for being a beautiful presence in my life. I met you, I think, the first time maybe five or six years ago through our beautiful beloved Jess Mm. and I'm so grateful that she connected us because you guys have become such great friends and our soul family Mm. and all the work that you're doing
doing in the world. You're so authentic and there's so much passion and there's so much love and you deserve all the success that is coming your way and that is already ever present. And I just want to say I I love you guys so much and I'm so grateful to have you in my life, Jimmy, honestly. Thank you so much, Mel. That means a lot. And uh, so grateful that we got connected in that way. And Jess is such a beautiful spirit. And yeah, it's, it's soul family. Really beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing. And I love you lots. Love you. Ciao. What a beautiful, conscious, divine human being. I love that man so much. And I hope you guys got a lot out of that episode. One thing that he really reminded me was to bring a smile to the shit. Excuse my language. I'm definitely going to remind myself of that. You know, it's very easy to feel happy and content when everything's smooth sailing, but when things hit the fan, how can we bring a smile to that? That's something that I'm going to really be conscious of and be mindful of over the next week and try and implement it into my life. So if you loved this episode as much as I loved doing it for you, please go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. And remember that I read every single one of your comments. So please share from your heart. And don't forget to tell me on Twitter who else you would like me to interview on the show. And you can do that by tagging me at Mel underscore Ambrosini and the person you want me to interview. And make sure you use the hashtag, the Melissa Ambrosini Show. And for everything that we mentioned, in today's episode. You can check it out at the show notes. Just head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash 12. And just another reminder that I read every single comment that you guys post there. So go and leave me a comment. Let me know what you think of this show and who else you want me to interview. And for all my other epic podcasts, you can head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash podcast. And just another reminder that I freaking love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You really light up my day with your comments and sharing that you're listening on your walks on Insta stories. I just love it so much. Thank you so much for being here, for wanting to grow and evolve and be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you think would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them. They will love you for it. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.